We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Whether you're just wrapping up the night shift or on your way to start the day, we got what you need. Welcome to the morning shift. It's the most mid-team in history. A whole new way to start your day with nationally televised reporter Tiffany Blackman. Any pizza for me can be a personal. Can't wait. Former Falcons and Alabama offensive lineman Mike Johnson. I've had my butt shoot by Nick Saban a few times. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. And Atlanta sports radio guru, Bo Morgan. Do you know who I am? I'm Squid Bill. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? It's a new experience. And a new take on a sports morning show. The morning shift is on. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Now, here's Tiffany, Mike, and Bo. Two o'clock this afternoon, live on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We will carry the Raheem Morris introductory press conference. And then he and, yes... Terry Fontenot going to be taken out of storage and actually going to sit down with uh, Dukes <laughs> and Bell along with uh, Raheem Morris. <laughs> so we'll carry that live this afternoon from Mercedes-Benz Took Stadium, me a gentlemen. solid two and a half seconds to process what you just said right there. Uh, not shocked, but just I had to process it for a second. You're so, spot on, though. Spot on. Well, That's also, why you're you. It's I also a it. last coach out of L.A. turn out the lights, man. He's just raiding Sean McVay's staff, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I'm, Mike and I were talking that before, uh, right before the show. Uh, Rob, I don't know where you were because you were in there with us earlier, but I was like, dude, every guy that's like Los Angeles Rams, 21, 22, 23, Los Angeles Rams, 21, 22. Like, they added uh, some, uh, some assistants and some uh, coaches on – and I mean assistants, like assistant O-line coach. Yep. Yes, a pass game spe- uh, specialist guy, you know, some defensive assistants. And three of the five I think they named were from the Rams. It, it's just it, – and that's that was just that that's hiring part. I mean, I, all these emails I keep getting that all have Rams time in there. Well, I, I think when you say leader of men, and I heard that a, a comical amount over the last couple of weeks, leader of men. Uh, but when you say that, it doesn't just apply to the football team in the locker room. It applies to to guys on the coaching staff that want to work with Raheem Morris, right? Guys that believe in him and believe in what he does and like being around him and like the way he uh, is, is you know, going to run things here. And it speaks volumes about uh, the fact that they're able to follow him across the country and become part of the Falcon staff. So I think it's exciting. I'll be in attendance later today, Rob. I know uh, Bo will be in attendance as well. I might actually well. show up to that. Yeah, I think it's I done that in a while. I look, I I uh I've never done it, so it's going to be interesting for me to be kind of on that side of it because obviously uh you know seeing it from the other end and seeing the meetings where coaches walk in and hey we're taking over, but uh, I'm excited to 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 see Raheem and see uh, kind of the energy in the room and get a feel for that presence because I know that uh you know a lot of people speak pretty highly of it and it's going to be a a fun day at least. So the we'll funniest, see what most succinct and random tweet I saw on X. You know, after Raheem Morris was announced as a Falcons coach, some guy just simply uh, posted, trash hire, trash human. I'm like, what? 
<laughs> I mean, what Reeve ever do to anybody? <laughs> if that's hey, if that's the worst you saw on X, and uh, we're doing a good thing. Yeah. Trash hire, trash human. Uh, well, Mike, it's funny that you you say that because uh, over the weekend, Mike and I were texting and we were sharing bad Falcons group takes. Like there, there's a Reddit Falcons group and. Oh, I bet there's just it's littered just, with bad takes. Dude. It's not even about coaches. It's about what you should do with the draft picks, yeah. quarterback position. It's some of the worst. Like, and and to that, to the Reddit groups, uh, you know, favor. When you read the comments underneath most well, of the posts, killed. they're just like, I, I, the one guy was like, "My eyes are bleeding." The next guy was like, "I quit." <laughs> the third guy was like, "Seriously, show what yourself." What was the out. worst one you saw? Oh, oh, you want to you want to hear it? Yeah, um, I, 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 you had to pull it back up. No, bro, I know. I, I'll just go ahead and I'll just give you know the, the, the short top. version. It was trade for Justin Fields, and uh, I don't know how you would get Zach Wilson yeah. unless you <laughs> traded for him as well. And then, and but you never, but you still I had about that but, one. But guess what? You still had the first pick. So then you move up to get Marvin Harrison Jr. at four. Trade for Justin so, Fields and Zach Wilson. So the guy, the guy wanted to run a two quarterback system, and he's like, That's "Look, it. we." And he said, "Not he's, just a two quarterback system, but we can use uh, Justin Fields as a quarterback, a wide receiver, a running back." Taysom Hill, like yeah, he's Taysom and Hill. he based it all off the Saints having. Uh, uh, the two quarterbacks, and then the guy goes, "Look, I know Zach Wilson is. This is literally his words. I know Zach Wilson is stupid, but he can throw it really far. So we'll just we'll just beat him with." Guy was dead shot. serious too. Yeah, guy was dead serious, and he got it's destroyed. Yeah, it was unfortunate. <laughs> there's there's been a lot of takes like that, and and you know, look, we're still what four months out from the draft, and we will three months out from the draft, we will mull that over. I'm sure, and and. Kick that horse until it can't can't walk anymore. The other really uh, bad all the way one down the road. So. Yeah, the other really bad one was was um, trade for Justin Fields and then trade up for Marvin Harrison on his own. Like, and where do people think we're getting this trade capital? Like, well, that's my thing. Is, is, is where are we getting the money? Where are we getting the trade capital? Where are we doing any of this stuff? It's like we don't. It's not a. This is not Major League Baseball. Dude. You, you don't go out and sign a three hundred million dollar roster. If you did those two trades, you might not draft again in the first <laughs> five rounds for the next three years. Uh, it just it boggles but, my mind. But you know the best part for me is uh, I know we need a quarterback, and but if you trade, let's say you trade for a quarterback in the offseason, and, and, and you're going to keep your eighth pick because nobody out there is worth the eighth overall pick. That's actually going to be on the market unless somebody decides they want to trade Joe Burrow or something, and which I would do. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but 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 to, in case Patrick Mahomes is available. Yeah. But um, you can have my first round picks for the next six years if Patrick Mahomes is available. But but to that point, all these people were gonna they were gonna they were gonna burn down Mercedes Benz if we traded if we picked Bajan at eight and we did and I guess they just didn't go. It was kind of like those people that say they're gonna move out of the country and with the political votes. Yep, they um, never seem to move, do they? But no, but those people now are saying, yeah, yeah. Trade up for Marvin Harrison, no, and I'm like, oh dear lord, what are we? I don't doing? think those are the same people, but they what? Let me. They can't be that many people. I think is a good because I saw a lot of people think that wasn't actually a good idea. Yeah, seriously. I, 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 you know what's funny is I got I got on this show. Um, you know, close, we, well, we've almost been on a year, which is crazy to think about. You know, we're approaching 11 month mark of this show, but I, I can remember distinctly getting on here a day at the end of March and saying, Falcons. Falcons, I saw a mock for Bijan at eight. There's no way the Falcons are going to do that. You're not going to draft a running back at eight. You're not going to do that in the Falcons situation. They have a thousand yard rusher coming back. You're not going to do that. 
And I looked stupid because it was like, huh, let's take this guy at eight. And then I thought to myself, well, there's not room for Cordero Patterson on this roster then. You're not going to have him still in the fold. And he was. And, by the way, you needed all three of those guys uh, down the stretch. So, and it's uh, – who knows at this point, man? Who I'm, knows? I'm not sure if Cordero Patterson will be back next year. Um, he was – like – He certainly was de-emphasized towards the end of the season. Well, and I think we have to say we want to blame that. Obviously, coaches are going to use people, all that kind of stuff. Also got to remember the fact that he started the season. He didn't play any in the preseason and, and the first three or four games because he was injured. And he's, what, they're going to be 35, I think, next year. That's that's a big deal. A guy's taking a lot of shots. I'm not sure if a no – way he's that old. Is he that old? Pretty he's sure. not 35. He's up there. Pretty sure he's no 35. Way. He's 30, He might be 34. But, he might, but the point is, is that he, he – I don't know if he's going to hold up for a 17-game season with with the physical beating. I, I, I think you're still going to need another running back next year is one of my point. Now, that guy's going to be just a third back. Not going to be anything like right. that. I would have been but... just fine with Igor uh if you know if we had another guy coming in in that role this year who spent obviously the entire season returning kicks for the Steelers and doing what he was doing up there. But that's a guy who showed up on the scene two weeks in a training camp and then all of a sudden is you know is is making a name for himself, doing a lot of good things in preseason, making the active roster. I, I guess all that to say is who knows, especially for the third running back spot. He turns thirty three on our one year show anniversary. Okay, well, so he's thirty two right now. He scared me for a minute. I was like, dude, no yeah. way. But what does he seem like an old thirty two to you for some reason? <laughs> well, uh, the fact that he hasn't stayed, he hasn't played a full season here in, in his three years yep. here. Yeah, he's lived. A, he's lived a lot of lives in the NFL. Quarter he has, and that's I mean? not a knock on him. That's what happens when you you're as physical of a player as he is. When he was at Tennessee, I distinctly remember watching him play, you know, Bama and, and all the other teams in SEC being like, this guy is a dude. Um, and so, look, man, it, it is what it is, but it'll be fun to, to, to see and watch this coaching staff dive in, um, you know, and us kind of figure things out along with them along the way and see what Terry Fontenot is uh, willing to do with that pick because there's a – when is free agency open? When is that uh, calendar? Because that's, uh, that's the, kind of the next thing for me. Got the coaching staff kind of locked down. Now it's – Attention towards that. So it'll be the Tuesday of that week of March. It's normally sometime. It's normally around the fifteenth. Uh, I'll get the exact date, but it the league year starts normally around the fifteenth, um, which which is right around there. So we'll see. The seventeenth will probably. This is a leap year, right? It is. That's right. Yeah. We will have a February 29th this year. So the seventeenth will be on a Monday. So it'll either be like March nineteenth or like March twelfth or something. This is just such a fun time of year for sports for me, and I, and and I, I know it's typical. And look, I'm a football. Why guy, this man. particular you time of year? Well, here's the thing, Rob. Uh, in two weeks, Bo and I are going to Daytona five hundred. You have a Super Bowl this weekend, Daytona five hundred. Before you know it, the pitchers and catchers start reporting uh, to spring training. Then you'll get into March Madness, and then you'll have the Masters, and you'll start getting into the nitty gritty of baseball season, the NBA playoffs, and everything else. So. This next like three three month stretch to me is so much fun uh, in terms of sports because I think that football we get so you know football season in the fall you get so locked in college football the NFL it's football 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 and I love football but man it's there's such a variance in the next three months as far as uh, you know what whatever your flavor is in sports you can get just a little dose of each of them not to mention the United season will be kicking off here soon so, so March 11th at at, at uh, noon the um, legal tampering starts. March 13th, uh, 4 p.m., New League year is 
upon us. And that's when you'll, that's when basically. Is they, that when the Falcons will have a quarterback? Well, it depends if their quarterback I'm is asking. already in the NFL. I do not. If I'm not Terry Fontenot and, and uh, Ra, so I can't answer that. We're professional guessers on this radio station. Um, okay, that's what we do. I would say there's a pretty good chance, yes. All right, coming up next, the world going to converge on Atlanta for a massive event. How the quarterbacks do at the Senior Bowl this week? Well, they were neither overwhelming, underwhelming. They were just whelming. And now, now they're starting to win. Is that going to come up the works as to what their future is going to be? All that and more next. On the front page, Morning Shift, Sports Radio 929 The Game. Getting your day started Go ahead. with the Morning Shift. Time for the show on Sports Radio 929 The Game. One, two, three. It's time to take a look at today's top headlines. This is the front page on the Morning Shift. Uh, welcome back to the Morning Shift. Triple in for Tiffany all freaking week. My voice is back. Mike is feeling better. Squid is squid. Mm. Mm. Squid is squid. Yeah, he is. Well, apparently there's a rash of Bigfoot sightings in uh, southeastern Oklahoma. Oh, can we go? Can we go hunt them? <laughs> the I, footage is always so terrible. Maybe Bigfoot is actually blurry, though. Maybe he is just blurry. I, I got to tell you all this story that you brought that up. So we used to have a, 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 a drug tester here in Atlanta. He was the same... Yeah, every team kind of has the same guy, but he's also the regional drug dealer tester. and tester. Right. There, there's also like a guy for each state, basically, uh, in the NFL. So he would be the Atlanta Falcons guy. But in the offseason, anybody that lived in Atlanta, he would be assigned to go drug test them. So in the offseason, he comes to my house in Atlanta. We're living right off, right off Lenox Road. And he shows up. And I know him. And I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, you know, I done a dozen you know more a few dozen drug tests with this guy over my, my time in atlanta and i said hey man what's going on you having a good day and he goes honestly been driving around north georgia all day uh he said i i he said i got an assignment from a guy who lives in the midwest he wouldn't tell me the, the name so but he said he was a well-known defensive end i had to think this is jared allen by the way <laughs> he says the guy's a well-known defensive end he said they, the nfl calls me and says hey this guy's on vacation in North Georgia. He's leaving this morning at 7 a.m. for a Bigfoot hunt. And they were like, you have to go up there. <laughs> you have to go up there and find him and, you know, make sure you get his drug test done before he goes on this Bigfoot hunt at 7 a.m. He goes, sure <laughs> enough. He's like, I'm driving around all morning. He's like, I finally find him. There's 30 people with, uh, you, you know, camouflage shirts on that say Bigfoot hunters or whatever across the front. And he goes, sure enough, there he is, you know, six foot four. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, who is this? And the only thing I could come up with the entire time was Jared Allen. It just kind of That sounds him. like a good fit. Yeah. So it, it, he was getting drug tests before his Bigfoot hunt. They had to, you know, he had to follow him into the, 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 you know, the public restroom there and get it knocked out. Hopefully I'm not putting out Jared Allen's business, but he evidently passed. I, so I don't think Jared Allen would have, a, knowing what I know just based on his you know, social media and what he was as a player. I don't think he would be upset if someone said that outed him for hunting Bigfoot. I think <laughs> I it's probably, I mean, it's I just don't kind either. of. I, I think at that point, too, he might have been in Carolina. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. I was going to say, why would you? No, nothing against North Georgia. Cause, yeah, you know, but yeah. That, that's where you vacation. He might have been. Well, I don't think he was. I think he came for the Bigfoot hunt. Oh, yeah. He came for the Bigfoot hunt on purpose. And so, <laughs> I and, and, and look, man, well, you got to realize, too, if you're, there. if you're in Carolina, how many people in Carolina are going to Cherokee to the to the casino or, or some of the other stuff going on? So there's 
It, 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 the, the drug test guy was was all over North Georgia. He said he couldn't find him for like an hour. He said he got to him right before they got on this quote unquote bus, so that they you know they were going to the Bigfoot hunt. It was it was intriguing. I was like, dude, I wish you could tell me who it was because I'd like to reach out to him and see how it was, see if they found him. <laughs> hey, Joe, two o'clock this afternoon we will broadcast live Raheem Morris's introductory press conference, and uh, he will join Dukes and Bell this afternoon as well as uh, Terry Fontenot. Yes, there will be a Terry Fontenot sighting this afternoon, and gentlemen. Looks like we get a semifinal game in the World Cup. That's going to be crazy, man. This city's going to be nuts. It's going to be. It's going to rival that what the Olympics was like in a lot of ways. I think '96. I saw Jason Longshore tweet about this. We're going to have Jason on, by the way, at 8:40 today to talk more about this. But he said this is going to be like having eight Super Bowls mm-hmm. um, because there's eight matches that we're getting, and the people, the amount of people, and the amount of people from around the world. Mike, that are going to be here. This is a world event. That's I, what's crazy. I was trying to look up numbers for the semifinal viewership. I couldn't find any specifically for semifinal. I know that the last World Cup, or maybe it was the one before that, had 3 billion total viewers. Oh, yeah. Um, the final, believe it was last time, the final drew uh, half a billion, which was, you know, you think about that in terms of the, the Super Bowl is going to have 120, 120 million. You're going to have 500 million people watching. That will be at MetLife. I don't know what the exact number is for the semifinal, but I can only imagine it's probably more than the Super Bowl at that point, which is crazy. And I was, I want to get y'all's take on this, and I want to get Jason's take too coming up at 840 when we'll have him. Where does this rank in terms of events that Atlanta has hosted? It's a semifinal. You hosted a Super Bowl. You've hosted the Olympics. It's for sure in the top five. It's it's like right in that area. It's 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 yeah. right there. I think the Olympics are always going to be because that was be just one. such a massive, right. massive undertaking. Super Bowl right there. Yeah, and it's three. I mean, look, and a Taylor Swift concert, of course. As as massive as a national title game is in college football, it just pales in comparison. Don't forget, to some of you have stuff. that too. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, you know, I've seen some monster truck rallies back in the day at the Dome that yeah. were pretty big. Little monster you know, Jam. Old Georgia Dome. Monster so, yeah. That's definitely top three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Supercross is always going to be big. I, I'm excited to see how this grass fares at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I know they'll be putting that in yeah. uh, a little bit before this event kind of kicks off. And it's a month long. Well, man. that's what they did in Vegas for the Super Bowl. They have the grass outside, and they'll just uh, slide it in like they do at, uh, I think, the Arizona. stadium in Arizona's first stadium yeah. to do that. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra of Atlanta United said the ripple effects of the World Cup monstrous not necessarily improve the club but i think hopefully bringing more global awareness to the club and you know when atlanta is one of the host cities oh it's our soccer team there atlanta united maybe people that aren't aware of us uh, around the globe and that's a goal of ours to to be a, a global club down the road and, and recognized not only on this continent but around the world so um i think that's some of the like i said the halo effect that we'll get and you know hopefully it just puts us on the, on the front of people's minds around the world not only atlanta all right, now the NBA trade deadline coming up on uh, the 8th. And now the Hawks are stringing together wins. Is that going to gum up the works, gentlemen? Well, yeah, Trey's average over 30 in those four, wow, another those four all- games. Wow, another all-star snub, too. Uh, well, there's the, that's more about I think that's some off-the-court stuff with maybe who doesn't and does like him uh, in the players and coaches. But, you know, you, you have DeAndre Hunter slowly worked himself back in over the last, what, three games into the lineup. Mm. You know, that trade to talk about healthy, healthy. I don't know where this has come from. Uh, I hope it's not too late, and I hope you know. But I, the trade talks have, have kind of simmered down about Dejounte to three LA. Days. Three days. So three days to figure it out. He he's he's given you a lot of reasons over the last couple of weeks not to trade him. I mean, at the end of the games, he has been as cold as you could possibly be, and I mean that in a good way. Shooting the ball, he was good down the stretch Saturday. 
There was a short conversation between Steph and Trey after the game Saturday night where Steph kind of puts his hand over over Trey's ears and talks to him. And Trey was asked about it, you know, in the post game uh, there on Bally. And he just kind of said, hey, I'll keep that between us. But that's my guy. Uh, and he's always been good to me. And it had, you know, it has to be about the All-Star game, the All-Star snub and what Steph Curry's thoughts were on that. I, I would kill to be able to hear what Steph Curry said in Trey's ear. But it's something everybody's kind of keeping your eye on. And 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 when you watch the game Saturday night, the Warriors, the Warriors, the Warriors guarded and treated Trey like he was an all-star, Wait. like he was a superstar, and the way they, you know, and the way they kind of game planned right. around him. So you don't think he was saying, Hey, Clay's done. Um yeah. I'm thirty <laughs> I'm thirty I'm thirty five. I'm thirty five. Yeah. I can still shoot clearly. I just dropped sixty yeah. on y'all. Um maybe you come over here and I'll I'll move to the two and you play the one. And we'll go for another couple yeah, well, titles. Why couldn't it be the reverse? Why, hey, Steph, this is a cool town, man. I, I'd love to hey, my, do my retirement tour out of Atlanta. Steph, like Quinn. Steph, I like Quinn a lot. Steph will never leave Golden State. You don't think so? No. I don't, I don't think Trey's headed to Golden yeah. State either. So, maybe we can put that one to bed. It, it just had to be an interesting conversation. They, they Like you said, one four straight. They'll play the Clippers tonight. And um, it's going to be fun to keep track of the next few days. See what all kind of shakes loose. I'm not sure, after watching the last four games, what I think they should do. To be honest with I you, I have no idea. I, and I have no idea what they're going to do. You're still five games under, and yeah. you're still in the in the tenth seed in that kind of NBA purgatory of what are you going to be? And something's got to shake loose. And Kobe Bufkin's uh, he's waiting in the wings in the G League. So we'll see what happens uh, as far as the future of the franchise. But uh, something needs to shake loose, and hopefully they get out of that kind of middle ground of the NBA. This hour brought to you by Morgan and Morgan injured hire Morgan and Morgan, America's largest injury law firm. All right, senior bowl gentlemen. Uh, seems like the quarterbacks that were there were neither uh, overwhelming, underwhelming. They were just whelming. So I, we didn't really, not a big takeaway. I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, and maybe I'll do this um, and, and mic'd up later today about how bad that week for players sucks. That is such a that is the most that might be the most grueling week of my life, just from a one week standpoint of going down to Mobile and participating in the senior bowl. It is, it is as cutthroat as you can possibly imagine of five practices. The practice is way bigger than the game. Everybody knows that there that there's a, a million NFL eyes on each rep. When you go in one on one pass rush or one on one run blocking situations, or you're, it is, it is like Mortal Kombat in there. I mean, it is, it is serious, serious business. That's my so. favorite thing to watch when you watch coverage. Of that is those one on one pass the yep. the. The linemen get up and they just go at each other. It's so it's, much fun. It's uh, there's some serious, serious, uh, you know, sumo wrestling going on. Oh, Lad McConkey, by the way, may have uh, played his way into a day one selection as well. He looked pretty good last week. Very, yeah. very yeah. shifty and uh, dangerous, and could be a potential nightmare in the NFL the next level. All right, coming up next, we know college football, the wild, wild west. It's driving coaches out of the game. What's going to be done to remedy this situation? That's coming up next on the morning shift, Sports Radio, ninety nine, the game. Sports Talk. This is the Morning Shift. I'm in. Me too. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This hour brought to you by Morgan & Morgan. Injured, hire Morgan & Morgan, America's largest injury law firm. Welcome back to the Morning Shift. Triple in for Tiffany. I'll be here all week, like it or not. Of course, we've got Squid and Mike. <laughs> we got Day-Day. we got we got Dylon. 
Well, the NCAA is basically a dead organization walking, aren't they? All this stuff that's going on. They, now. they are in terms of football, it seems. Yep. Uh, I, I think that there is a there is a future and a need for the NCAA in most sports, but as far as football goes, man, they have um, they've kind of reached the extent of their of their being <laughs> as far as that. I, uh, nobody likes them. They never get anything done in a timely fashion, and when they do, you're just scratching your head going, what just happened? And how many times over the years they seem to be uh, majoring in the minor, focusing on the most insignificant things just to kind of uh, wield some sort of sense of delusional power they have? Yeah, um, it, it's a weird thing that you have the Big Ten and the, and the SEC. They're like, hey, we're going to get this right. And, I, I, I you know, you, you – you say the NCAA is dead, and, and with football, yeah, there's a lot of ways they are. But I think this is something that they're going to basically go to the NCAA and be like, hey, this is what we you need to do. This is how to do it. We have your back, and we're in lockstep. And then the, if the NCAA doesn't balk and actually understands that this is a self-preservation move, they'll be fine. They don't have enough people to go after every infraction. We know that. So they they, they – they, they find a bunch of little ones or one big one, and they hammer you because that's all they can do, and then it takes three years to do it. <laughs> like the Miami situation. Yeah. It's just stupid, man. It's just so well, dumb. Well, the Florida one that this guy hit with, Florida State just got – Florida is being investigated. Florida State just got hammered. They were going to hammer Tennessee, uh, and then Tennessee finally stepped up and was like, no. And I think I think that where two schools being in this was where the SEC was like, we got we to gotta, – expedite this situation and make it work faster circling the wagons i i think there's it's so interesting because it came out when this news came out that they were you know joining forces you and i both talked about this months ago and it was going to take the people that have the tv contracts it's not going to take because the last thing you want is for if you're the big 10 or the sec to think that the other league has a competitive advantage on you because you've put rules on NIL or coaching moves or transfer rules or whatever it is. So you had to kind of come together. I know the Big Ten just got the, the new commissioner. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the first thing he did was go down and meet with Commissioner Slive and start talking about this. I think this got expedited over the fact that Saban's out, doesn't want anything to do with it. Jim Harbaugh doesn't want anything to do with uh, it. Boston College. There, there, there's just there's a, a, it seems like a dozen guys that are. I, I can't tell you how many questions I've got, Rob, over Tommy Reese last year's Bam OC. He goes and takes a, a tight end job with the Browns. Oh, you know it says a lot about him as an OC that he didn't get another look in college as an OC. No, it doesn't. Who would want that? Who would want to do that right now? Nobody wants that job. Well, you have to re-recruit your roster every year in addition to uh, recruiting in general. I listened to my old offense coordinator and former Florida head coach Jim McElwain do an interview last week. And when it was asked to him about re-recruiting your roster, he just kind of chuckled. And you could tell he didn't want to go too far of saying this sucks. But it just he just basically said it's not coaching anymore. You're 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 not actually coaching. You are game planning. You are trying to teach a game plan, but you are recruiting constantly your own roster and other people. And and honestly, it sounds to me listening to a lot of coaches, if you're not pushing the envelope and continue to text the guys that you didn't win the recruiting battles over, and which is illegal, and, you know, there's been a number of programs that have already gotten in trouble for that, but if you're not doing that, you're kind of falling behind the eight ball because those relationships are still open with other colleges and are continued to be explored. So I, I can't imagine, cannot imagine being in charge of a college football team right now, and I'm glad that the Big Ten and the SEC seem to be at least giving the look that they want to do something to make this better for everybody. I think they know how chaotic it is. 
I mean, it's it's, it's going to ruin the sport, and I don't begrudge kids making any money. It is kind of interesting. I think I saw there are like 10 college players making more money than Brock Purdy this year. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he did get that Toyota deal, though, so maybe that'll put some money in his pocket. Yeah. I don't think, though, I, I've heard people say, well, no, no, this is, this is it. They're pulling away. It's going to be just too – I don't believe for a second this is them wanting to be a super conference. I don't, I don't either. I, and I'm going to tell you something. Those people that say that, they don't care about college football when they say those things because that's not the best thing for college football is some super conference. I don't want to watch the freaking NF, the, the, uh, an NFL version on Saturday and Sunday. I still want to watch what, what it is. And you can tell me that, well, it'll still have the bands and they'll still play on campus and all that. That's not the same. I, I want the SEC fans to hate the Big Ten fans and vice versa. That's the passion of the sport you don't get. I just think that these are the two conferences that know they carry the most weight and they're going to say, we're going to get with them and tell them what they need to do. And if they need help, we'll help them pay for it maybe. But – we have to have some law and order or our product is going to go down. Our TV deals are not going to be worth as much in 10 years. I think it's, it's, it's going to be intriguing to see what they do come out with because I think you have to walk a fine line at this point, right? If you're trying to put regulations, if you're trying to put rules on NIL, on transfers, you have to be worried about the blowback or the lawsuits you could receive that, you know, some of the ground that has been gained. And they have to keep a close eye on that of saying, we have to make sure this is not an, an antitrust issue or, uh, you, know, you know, whatever it may be to making sure that they're not, you know, getting some kind of federal legislation. Or maybe that's the end goal. I, I'll say this. If you're the Big 12 or the ACC, you, you feel like the kid left out in the cold at this point looking at this because these are the two power players and you're just like out on the curb going, hey, hey, what, what are y'all doing in there? Hey, what's going on? Somebody pick up the phone. I'd like to talk to you too. Uh, so I'll be – listen – I think if the Big 12 and the ACC want to survive, which I personally don't think they will, I don't know if there's enough anchor in either one, but if they want to survive long-term, um, they need to to try to you know edge their way into this conversation as well because if they don't have a seat at the table for this, whew, it's, not a, it's not a good look for your conference down the road. I, I, just, I don't know what the end game is here. I don't, I don't know what you're able to do. I, 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 I hope it's something, and you say, look, if you want to be a part of our conference, here's the rules. Uh, but they had to be careful that uh, this is not something that's taken a court in the long run and, and, and see how they word it. I guess you just have to let the chaos percolate so you can define every possible morsel of chaos so you can try to figure out some way to legislate it because it can't go on like this. You're just going to drive great coaches out of the, out of the game. It's going to burn them out having to deal with this. Well, and, and the problem is in the, the end result is that you will bite the hand that feeds you. When, when, when people start caring less about the game of college football, recruiting has already taken a, a massive backseat. I mean, signing day is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Nobody's talking about signing day because you have the early signing, you have the transfer, like all this other stuff. So once things start taking a backseat because less eyes go on the game, then every, everybody's going to become concerned. And then the less money there will be to go around, right? So you kind of have to you have to get things in place. I'm all about players' rights, but I'm also about the health of the sport. And you have to have both of those things to kind of coexist if you are going to uh, get this right. I, I hope that Nick Saban's a voice in this. To be honest with you, I know that you know people might. I would roll say when I make him the college football czar, I, we need a czar. Clearly, I love it. I love it. You can't tell me that he and Commissioner Slive have not had, a, a, you know, two dozen conversations over the last few months about everything that's going on and about what can be done. I just, I'll be curious to see what these, uh, you know, chancellors, presidents, ads, and everybody else involved kind of come up with down the stretch. Yeah. I don't know if you had a TV's timeout that we were going <laughs> to 
No, this was kind of it right I here. Didn't want, I didn't want. Yeah. I didn't. I was just. I was just making sure. No. Um, what would y'all want to see done? I think I, is the question. I, I don't want this super conference crap. I don't think it's good for the. I don't think it's good for anything. Look, you, you, everybody can talk about how they don't want to. They want to see just game after game. It's not. We got to remember that this isn't the NFL, and that's why it's special. And that that's what made it special. It, you're 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 helping fuel programs like. Uh, Central Michigan when Alabama plays them. They're paying them a couple million dollars. That fuels their program. That, that's money that they need to stay arrive so so more kids can actually because there are despite what we get lost in the big dogs, there are some schools that still pay uh excuse me, still that still have some kids that, that they get to go there and play only because they're playing football. They're going to scholarship. We need to keep that. I just want these conferences to get together and come to an agreement on what the rule structure needs to be so we can get some some normalcy again because we're not normal right now. I still think that we're one piece away from being able to do this, and here's what the, here's what the next piece is. We're still away from some sort of college football players union from being able to, to really put sanctions in place or legislation in place. You, if Once you get – and maybe that's what they can do. Maybe they can come together and form some kind of secondary college football players union that way you can form that collective bargaining that you need to make sure that one side's not getting sued over the other. And, and maybe that's the end game. But I think that's, to me, that's the next step. Once you have people that are looking at it and you have an actual committee like they have now, then you can kind of go forward and say, what's the next step? They have a number of guys that have been in politics and government and things like that. They can say, well, you know what? You're going to need some kind of players union. So that's the next step to try to get that aligned. We'll see. We'll see what the next step is. But that to me would be the logical Fight the February frigid season with 50% off on your new windows for Window Nation. Plus, make no payments for two years. Visit windownation.com. This is the Morning Shift Sports Radio 929 Game. we got triple in for uh, Tiffany all week long as we talk of, well, the chaos in the wild west of uh, college football. But coming up this afternoon, 2 o'clock, live here on Sports Radio 929 The Game, Raheem Morris' introductory press conference. Terry Fontenot going to make an appearance. They'll both, both be on with uh, Dukes and Bell this afternoon as well as they'll be broadcasting live from Mercedes-Benz Stadium 2 o'clock today. So coming up next, we're going to dive into the Raheem Morris hire and, and he's raiding Sean McVay's staff out there in uh, Los Angeles. Last assistant coach out of L.A. Turn out the lights. Sports Radio, 1990 Game. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What are the haps? the day the right way with the morning shift with tiffany mike and Bo. all right all right on sports radio 92.9 the game this hour brought to you by zero res smart lasting clean welcome back to the morning shift triple in for tiffany we got squid we got mike two o'clock today raheem morris introductory press conference we will be broadcasting that live and terry fontenot the gm the alleged GM, I guess now it is confirmed, he is still the GM. <laughs> and Raheem Morris is going to sit down with uh, Dukes and Bell. will be broadcasting live from there. So uh, tune into that this afternoon, 2 to 7. Of course, we had the uh, Senior Bowl yesterday. And uh, Lad McConkey, big standout. A lot of people think that uh, he kind of played his way into uh, 
maybe day one consideration. I want you to, Mike, I want you to go back into it. You talked about what a nightmare of a week that is. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go uh, tit for tat uh, and mic'd up in a little bit, talking about the Senior Bowl, talking about the week that was. And, and I, I didn't get a chance to do this last week, but when you add in um, – Everything that that week entails, and it's probably a little bit different for me. We were com- we were, you know, two three weeks removed from a national title, and so I was in the state of Alabama. I'm from Pensacola, which is 50 miles away from Mobile. It was a, probably a little bit different, but the amount of like let's just put it this way: six a.m. drug tests, meetings with agents or prospective agents, or if you've already hired one, meetings with your agent slash scouts that you're meeting with, and then sometimes coaches that want to, you know, have a cup of coffee, at the same time competing with guys that are fighting tooth and nail for their future and for money. It is the most stressful six, seven days, whatever it may be, that I ever spent playing football, and it's not even close. The combine was rough. The senior bowl week was rough. It was, it was, It was serious now. That was some serious stuff. So rough, rough week for sure. And your body actually gets really beat up in that senior bowl. It doesn't get as beat up at the combine. We that was that was the coldest football game I ever played in. I want to say it was it was like twenty degrees um, for the Oof. senior bowl we played. It was rainy. It was absolute misery. We got destroyed by the. It was the, still the north and the south teams at that point. Destroyed, and it just it seemed like nobody was there watching because you know all the executives seemingly had left Thursday <laughs> so you're playing the Seen game. enough yeah i'm <laughs> out of here uh it was cool though it was my first taste of getting around nfl personnel you know you you're walking around and you see Pete Carroll he had just you know gotten to the Seahawks and doing some other things and you know you're out on the you're out on the curve for the valet and Sean Payton walks out and it just it was it was it's a really cool thing and it's it's cool that it's in mobile i'm glad it stays in mobile but whoo We'll talk about it. I'll give you all the rundown and mic'd up what the, what the weekly schedule's like, and I'm just telling you, it's um, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. And I'm telling you, I, I cannot really grasp how good these uh, quarterback prospects are. Michael Penix decided not to play yesterday. He did practice during yeah, the week. That was Injury weird. concerns with him. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know. Do you think he, that's that's what? Why do you think he didn't play Saturday? Like, what was his thought process on that? Because I I, I don't. Could for that the, have hurt him? For, for the record, I don't blame him based on his history and the fact that, let's be, let's be honest, the game doesn't matter. Your performance matters in the game, but his week was just – it was more – the week he had, whether good or bad, was more important for his draft stop than playing in that game to me. I, I feel so much differently. Somebody kind of likened this to bowl opt-outs. I feel so much differently about this than I do bowl opt-outs. It's not even funny. Like, to me, it's not even close to being the same thing. These are not – your guys that you've grinded four years with, mm-hmm. or these are not the guys that are. Uh, it, everybody's this is this is everybody out for themselves at Senior Bowl, and so I, there are probably going to be one or two scouts. Scouts, I'm not talking about GMs or teams. I'm just talking about scouts that are like, I would really like to see the guy compete. But Michael Penix has been in college football for what six years. You, you've seen you've seen what you need to see, right? As far as him competing at the highest level, so no need to see him go out there and suit up on Saturday. But there's going to be one or two that are like, well, man, I would have really liked to see him throw in live game action. That would have been nice. Can uh, evaluation during the Senior Bowl, can that be overvalued a little bit compared to, like, the entire body work? I know it's good for the uh, NFL, you know, scouts, coaches, executives to, you know, get eye-to-eye and have an audience with the players, get to see them close up during drills, et cetera, et cetera. 
Is it overly emphasized, though? I don't. I actually don't think so. This is the first chance. My, we, we had the Dolphins coaching staff. Uh, Tony Sperano, God rest his soul, was our head coach. Uh, coach uh, Dave DeGuglielmo was our offensive line coach. Um, and it was, it, it was interesting for a number of reasons. They got to actually lay their eyes and hands, have meetings, have install meetings with players, right? They're, they're going through install saying, hey, how fast does this guy pick up our scheme? How well does he fit in our scheme? And they're also, at the same time, talking to other coaches, saying, well, this is what I see. This is what I see. This is how this guy's been at practice. And you can actually, like I said, eyes, ears, hands. For a lot of the, the season, I think most of these coaches kind of depend on their scouts to go to these practices and watch and say, well, this guy's this, this guy's that. At the Senior Bowl, if you're an offensive line coach, you can actually show up in person, stand five yards away from the drill, Watch pad leverage, watch hips, watch right. you know, watch hand violence, things like that that you can't really get off of a, a scouting report. So I don't know that it's overvalued. I think it's I think it's just a massive piece of the puzzle in terms of what these guys can do. Maybe overvalued, a, a, maybe a poor thing. But if you have like make one mistake, could it be overly magnetized and oh, jeopardized? I think for sure. Yeah, yeah for that's sure. my fundamental yeah. point. Yeah, no, I, I think you're I think you're dead on with that. And the game doesn't matter. Nothing. I was talking to somebody uh, about this, and I was like, I don't care anything about the game. I, I don't even 100%. I, I, I want to see how they, com- like you said, they compete, how they play out there. But that whole week is where you learn to your point about everything. And that's like, you know, Luke McCaffrey was a name that you didn't hear as much about in the week because you heard about, you know, um, Ladd and uh, McConkie. You heard uh, my guy from um, from uh, Michigan. You heard about him. uh and you also heard about Ricky Pearsall from Florida. But Luke McCaffrey pops in the game has a couple of catches, but he, he didn't have a bad week either. Um, and he it's a guy there where I'm kind of wondering, like, could, Roman Wilson got a thing about from Michigan. Could could you see, like, Luke McCaffrey in, like, a third round? You know, we, we've talked about we need a guy that can kind of play that little slot, that can kind of run away from defenders. Yeah. Let's say Ladd's gone, Roman Wilson's gone. And maybe Ricky Parasol is gone, and you're in a spot now where you could pick a receiver and boom. Because the McCaffreys have a good track record in the NFL. Um, Seems like it. And, I, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't I, – I just think about a guy like that, and I just I just say, man, that that's a guy that in three years we're going to say, how did he go in the fourth round? Why well, was he at the senior – you know, senior, like the senior ball helped him get on. It just, just seems like a guy that could be just pop – like in a few years. You, you need somebody that's a crisp route runner and the tight red, which I think exactly why people have looked at Lad McConkey and said, man, this guy, you get to that 10-yard line, you need to run a pass play on first down. He can run one of those little whip routes yep. uh, on the goal line and kind of settle in right there at the goal line. And one of those where he just catches the ball and kind of falls backwards in the end zone, that kind of guy. I think that's why he's seen his value rise so much because he's, he's just, it's not so much the Details. fact that he's, you know, it's it's not like he's going to measure it six five and run a four two. It's the fact that he's so detail oriented, such a crisp route runner, and has such a you know a nice ability to get separation, which is so wild, widely heralded at this point in the NFL. It's a pretty good story because coming out of high school, he wasn't all that highly touted due to his size mainly. And Kirby Smart and I heard Rusty Manziel talking about this. Kirby Smart decided to recruit him and uh, get him to Georgia based on watching him play basketball. Nice. He saw the twitch. I don't doubt it. Yep, I don't doubt it. Um, Speaking of that, we were we were watching the the I guess it was maybe NFL Network earlier and seeing the the mock drafts and seeing Brock Bowers at five to the Chargers and the mock drafts. 
It'd be a heck of a, I'd be a heck of a pickup for them. Well, that's the other one. That's the other one I've seen. Um, Falcons trade for Justin Fields and then uh, go get Brock Bowers at eight. And somebody, somebody told me, so I, I just know that they, they, they actually, they don't know how to use him. And I was like, I mean, we got two tight ends now. How many more tight ends we got? And and it's funny because you're only okay with it because of where the guy played. That's it. Yeah, listen, there would be a riot if the Falcons tried to draft Bob, Brock Bowers at eight. There would be a riot. <laughs> you just simply cannot do that. I don't know if the Falcons can afford to take an offensive player at eight if right. it's not a quarterback. And it, God forbid they try to take a wide receiver, uh, Malik Neighbors or whoever that might be at eight. I think there would be a, a sector of Falcons fans that would absolutely be up in arms over that. Yeah, if you're going to so, take a wide receiver, you need to trade up for him. Yeah, yeah wow. it just it doesn't quite fit with uh with the needs here. You need you need a quarterback. I think in in Raheem Morris' skin, you're going to need an edge or some kind of uh, obvious pass rusher. You do need a wide receiver. There's no doubt that you need a wide receiver. You need a guy that's a one or two. I just there it's such a tricky thing to draft at eight because you really need to hit a home run with this guy, and he's got to be somebody that you can depend on next year. And Ra- and Raheem Morris uh, filling out his staff as well, gentlemen. Rating. Rating of yeah, the Rams I mean, staff. More Rams guys. Three yeah. of the five they hired, Rob. Isn't that this is and and the, the, that that's just the ones they announced Saturday. I, I bet there's what eight or nine of these guys. Yeah, that have been with him in the Rams. Uh, you got a couple guys from the Chargers too, but it's just it's just it's just wild. And I like the fact though that they're going to have a run game coordinator and a pass game. I think they called it specialist. To pass put game Zach, specialist. I like. But with Zach Robinson. I just think – I do look at this, though, and um, I remember when Dan Quinn came in here and everybody said, man, that's a really young staff, really young staff. You know, because Kyle was still young then. Uh, uh, the LaFleur was – the both LaFleurs were very baby-faced, I guess you could say. LaFleur's still young, both of them, but they were really young then. Does it – does how does it sit with you that it's, it's seemingly – other than – you have some old heads. I mean, Dave Huxtable's been around forever. He stayed. He's got Jer- about 20 years in the league. Jerry Gray. Yeah, Jerry Gray's a guy that you got to keep uh, here. But for the most, you know, and Dwayne Lefford's been around a little while, but there's, but how do you feel about this staff being very young? I, I personally love it. I, when I saw the news of Tim uh, Burbanich, I believe is how you say it, the past game specialist, that one pops to me because immediately my mind goes to, well, if Zach Robinson's any good, he's going to be getting coaching interviews in two years. And so – who is that next kind of guy right. that might be within the staff that can slide into some of these roles? Remember, this is this is like a Joe Brady title. Remember, he, Joe, we were interviewing Joe Brady. He's a pass game specialist a number of places. He was at LSU with with Joe Burrow. He's at in, in Carolina. He he became the interim OC because he was kind of in that role up in Buffalo this year. So that is a guy you have to kind of keep your eye on. And, and I love the fact that the staff is young because I think that this is going to be a very energetic group. And I think it's going to be a guy that can, over a 17-game schedule, keep that energy where it doesn't get stale inside that locker room. So I think that's I think that's important nowadays. All right, coming up next in the huddle, a fall from grace perhaps for a couple of uh, well-known coaches, one known for uh, his greatness, the other one uh, never could quite break through and get a head coaching job. What's his future going to be like? That's coming up next in the huddle, Sports Radio, 1990 game. Yes, it is a lovely morning, isn't it? Now, more of the morning shift on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to huddle up. Bring it in close. Bring it in close. The latest NFL news, rumors, reports, and happenings within the huddle on the morning shift.
Two o'clock this afternoon, the Raheem Morris introductory press conference live from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We will carry it. Dukes and Bell going to have Terry Fontenot, the GM, and Raheem Morris on their broadcast this afternoon. Welcome back to the morning shift. Triple in for uh, Tiffany. And gentlemen, it's kind of interesting. You know, of course, uh, Dan Quinn gets the uh, commander's job. And now Eric Bieniemy, whose name was always bannered about as a possible Head coach, got a lot of interviews, never seemed to be able to break through. Now his future seems to be in doubt. He'll, he'll land somewhere, and, and, and he'll get a good job. He's going to need, uh, you know, he's going to need to move quickly with that. But yeah. I think he's too good of an offensive mind not to, to kind of land on his feet as far as that goes. But uh, it's going to be interesting to keep, uh, you know, keep tabs on on how that staff shakes out for Dan Quinn because I I, I haven't had a chance to talk about it. No, you haven't either. I, I like the hire for Washington. I like the I like the hire of Dan Quinn. And, you know, you call him a retread or whatever you want. He was not a failure in Atlanta. As much people don't like to hear that in the long run, when you look back at his tenure, when you take a team to the Super Bowl, you are not a bad football coach. And uh, so he's going to have every opportunity. I know he's getting his staff in place to, to kind of make another run at it. So I'm keeping my eyes peeled for that. It just seems to be this way of uh, thinking in, in, in society at large. It seems that um, – well, if a coach didn't have as much success as a head coach his first time around, they can't somehow evolve. They are what they are. People don't evolve. Well, People don't get better. People don't improve. Some some don't, but many do. Yeah, and to that point, what did we hear immediately? I heard a lot of people say, well, we need a guy. We don't need a young coach. We need a guy that's got experience. A guy that's been there before. We got that. Got that. And now it's like, well, yeah, but he's 17 and 31 when he was in Tampa. Well, yeah, I mean, you know what? A lot changed since I was 32 as well. Yeah, <laughs> a long time ago, man. And I'm only eight years away from that, or almost nine. But still, well, even the Bengals coach, once they got their once they got their quarterback, they figured it out. He he sputtered out the gate first couple of years. Yeah, he still managed to finish above 500, even with his best player Joe Burrow injured. I, I think that this, and it goes back to the way you know a lot of players feel. The NFL fan base is so absolute in the way you think. It right. was either good or it was a failure. It, it, as a player, a lot of times, especially you know the closer you are to your playing career, it seems like the fan bases will treat you as if, if you did not win a Super Bowl in your time as a player that you, you weren't good. You weren't you know it was it was kind of a failure, and that's a way a lot of people in, in the history of this franchise will looked at. I mean, you you look at some of the numbers and the fact that Matt Ryan was an MVP. And it's still, there are still some naysayers about what his career was because you never got over the hump. It is that way about coaches, too. You never won a Super Bowl, weren't a good coach. When, you know, Dan Quinn, <laughs> he's had a lot of good years as a coach, and that includes as a head coach. It just didn't end the right way in Atlanta, and now he's going to get another shot at it. So we'll see how that uh, see how that staff kind of comes together there. Now where's Bill Belichick going to end up? Arguably the greatest coach of all time, but now, no. So I was, I was talking to somebody Friday that, um, you know, it was it had talked to some people up there in that in that building, and and apparently he's not. He's very upset because <laughs> I think he thought, I think he made the split in New England a lot more amicable than he probably wanted to because he thought he had something brewing that he thought he would go ahead and have another job immediately. And so now I think he's just kind of sitting there like, uh, what? But the problem is, is Belichick is going to have to go to a situation where they, he, I thought originally when I heard him say, well, I'll, you know, I'm willing to change some things. I thought that he would be willing to just come in somewhere and coach and kind of give up. No. And he, where wherever he goes, he is going to clean house in that building. And there's not a lot of organizations that are going to be willing to do that. Uh, let me ask you all this uh, about Belichick. If you are a head coach, let's just say McCarthy. 
Do you want Bill Belichick around this year? Do you, do you want his expertise in the building? Or do you say, boy, the minute something goes south, everybody's going to be wanting Bill Belichick to take over. I don't I think I'd could, want him in the building you either. You could benefit from um, There's a lot of pride endless in the wisdom, but that. man, I'm telling you, though, you yeah. don't want that breathing over yeah, your shoulder. Yeah, but is he, he going to be willing to give endless wisdom? Is he going to come in and, and be like, hey, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll – because everybody's got all these – Looks like Mike Zimmer is going to get the uh, the job in Dallas. It, I mean, from what you hear, he's interviewing. I think a second time for the DC job. But what what what's the benefit? Yeah, I know you get all this wisdom, but he, he he's not going to be able to sit back. That's like Nick Saban going somewhere. No, and it's not against Nick, but going somewhere. Yeah, I'll be an assistant for you, right. an yeah. a, a defensive analyst. Yeah, like Nick. That's not Nick's passion. Nick wants to coach. He wants to run. And that's also not his best use. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I don't know about Belichick as far as this goes. But Nick had a, a huge passion for coaching DBs, coaching technique. All right. I think that Nick almost to a to a greater extent than Bill would would fit as a DB coach. You know, obviously that's not going to be in the cards for him, and and that's not what we're, what I'm trying to say. But I think that Bill. In, in a lot of aspects, it's like roster management is that for him. He likes the the development, putting pieces together as chess pieces, and kind of moving forward with that. So, I, I just it's it's interesting to me. I know a lot of people have talked to Jerry Jones. There's going to be a lot of conversation this week about if Bill Belichick, obviously not a head coach, is there a role for him somewhere this year as he kind of plays that waiting game? And that's to my point. I don't know that I'd want him on staff. I, if I'm a head coach, I don't want to look over my shoulder at Bill Belichick. I wonder if Belichick's slightly on the spectrum because he does he does seem to be um, awkward socially. <laughs> a lot of times, serious. A lot of times, guys, and he does have a brilliant football mind. He does have a very smart mind, but sometimes there's a payoff to where you're going to be a little limited, yeah. interpersonally. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I listen. I've been watching Love on the Spectrum on Netflix here the last few days. I think you're, <laughs> you might be spot on. Might be spot on. There's some of those. Some of those you're like, are they? On the- yeah, 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 maybe. Yes. Uh, so, look, hey, who knows? I started rewatching 1883, so I don't know anything. I haven't seen this show. I started watching uh, True Detective Night Country last night. Uh, pretty excited about that. I got one episode in. I'm pretty, pretty yeah, stoked. You like the first I, I've been told to go ahead and start watching it, but I'm, I've gotten into this, this problem where I just want to binge stuff. I don't want to wait for an episode to come out. I'm going to – we did the same thing with a couple of Netflix shows, but I think this is going to be a one-a-night kind of situation because there's a lot to take in. There's a lot going on in that show. So, And I know that a lot of people have been watching True Detective, and I was a huge fan of their first couple of seasons. And, um, oh, it was great. Yeah. Great first couple of seasons. I'm watching that one as we speak. But uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. What was the weed budget with McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson? Weren't they in it together? Yeah, they were. Dude, I'm so glad you brought this up. Is Woody Harrelson not one of the most underrated actors? He's, oh, he's one fantastic. of my favorite actors. He is so like he's comedy, drama, mm-hmm. action. All the things, I mean, yeah. all over the top. We, you know, was it six months ago we talked about Denzel and a lot of these mm-hmm. roles and how was it that long? You know, how much that he kind of you know can move around and do different things. Woody Harrelson's he's pretty close to being that guy, man. Well. Like watched, I watched multiple things this weekend that had him because uh, I was, I was, I, I was doing something and I had like five minutes and I was sitting. I was like, I had five minutes. And I sit down for five minutes and the beginning of White Men Can't Jump comes on, <laughs> where he where he hustles Sydney, uh, and or Wesley Snipes' character, and he's so good in that role. And then yesterday when I was cleaning, I, I was up, I was cleaning in the living room, and in kitchen area, and um, I just turned the TV on. And Curb Your Enthusiasm had on HBO. They had a, uh, a marathon because the, new, the, the final season's coming out. 
And there's an episode of last season where Woody is in Curve, and he's basically playing himself. Yep. But it's so it's so hilarious. Like he's so good. Uh, he's he's dude. Woody Harrelson's one of my favorites. I do want to ask this before we move on from the commander's topic. Cliff Kingsbury being uh, hired as the OC. I, is this a slam dunk that Caleb Williams is now? Uh, at the top of their radar, right? Because Cliff is coming from USC. They've got the trade capital to be able to pull this off with the Bears. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury knows this guy better than anybody in the NFL. You would think that that there has to be some connection there of saying, look, hire me as the OC. It seems like we'll it. trade up and get Caleb. Yep. We'll, be, uh, we'll be running with this thing. I'm still not sure if they're, if they're going to move off from Sam Howell. I just don't know what, that, what, what they would do there, too. But well, they liked him for half the year last year, and then he kind of went south. Oh, he's he's well, making it rain, but he's going to yep. take seven sacks again. Yeah, you know but, I mean? but, just, but oh, so he, but he can never. But you talk about the absolutes and NFL fans, so he can yeah. never get better. I mean, we're just giving up on a guy after after one season, basically. I know he he played a couple of games in cool. his first season, but we're that's doing the just, same thing here, by the way. Well, yeah, a little, well, hey, no, 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 he's a first round guy, and you need got a third rounder. That's what people tell you. I read something this morning that said that they they keep that it's almost like. The doubling down that they're hearing is that Chicago is not moving off of one, and they are gonna pick Caleb Williams. I, I just know. Listen, what kind of trade capital did you build up with those two trades that the Commanders made last year? Montez Sweat uh, and old buddy that's gonna be playing the Chase Super Bowl, Young. Yeah, tra- Chase Young. Who we we said it at the time. I was like, I don't want Chase Young in Atlanta, and it seems like it's kind of panned out that the 49ers now they're in Super Bowl, but boy, not because you, of Chase Young. You though. look at his effort; it is not good. It wasn't good when they when they played here. So. Montez Sweat was definitely the prize of that one. But you look at the picks they added through those trades, and now you look at the situation that they could have at the quarterback. And while I agree with you, I think Sam Howell's a good player, at some point perception has to meet reality, and this is an entertainment business. And yeah. if you got Cliff Kingsbury and then you pass on the opportunity to draft Caleb Williams, a lot of Commanders fans, listen, young, energetic, new ownership, want to do a number of new things, you kind of have to jump on that, no matter what you think of Sam Howell in the end. Well, I think Jaden Daniels could be there and play. Drake May, either one of those guys would fit what Kingsbury wants to do along with Caleb Williams. But let me ask you this, though. If you're going to give it one more year, isn't this the time you would do it? Because you've got a brand-new GM and a brand-new head coach. You know you're going to get some time, right? New ownership group. They seem to be – this is an ownership group that kind of seems to kind of get it. They brought in uh, the guy from Golden State to be an advisor with these kind of things. The uh, the owner is also the owner of the Sixers, so he's 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 used to the process. Um, so this would be the time, maybe that if you're going to do it, you have the perfect scenario to do that with a young coach. But I think Kingsbury, we forget that he was he was still his offenses were still pretty good in Arizona. You're speaking of retread coaches, and he'll get another shot. He'll get another shot at some point. Kingsbury will, and it, it might be more perception than anything, but he'll get another shot. Give it give it five years. From a healthier weight to more energy when you switch your dog's food to farmer's dog, the effects can feel magical. What sorcery is this? None at all. It's just real food made for the health of dogs. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash no magic. All right, what's coming up in Mic'd Up? Well, we're going to talk about the uh, World Cup announcements yesterday, first and foremost, how big this is for the city of Atlanta, what it means, what it could mean. We'll, we'll have Jason Longshore at 840, but for Mic'd Up, Dive back into the senior bowl this past weekend. I'll tell you about my experience. Rob, I haven't taught you about this. The quarterback for me, I had two quarterbacks in the senior bowl, Tim Tebow and new offensive coordinator, Zach Robinson. My mm. two uh my two quarterbacks. So we'll talk about that. How fun that was, how fun it wasn't. That's coming up on the other side. That's mic'd up. Sports radio, 929 the game. 
We're talking all things Atlanta sports and beyond. This is the Morning Shift. Make some noise! On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back to the Morning Shift, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. 2 o'clock today, Raheem Morris' introductory press conference live from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We're going to carry it live, and Dukes and Bell will have Coach Morris and Terry Fontenot, the Falcons GM, on with them as well for a little sit-down powwow, as it were, gentlemen. And, of course, um, don't forget to mic up. You wanted to, you wanted to mention the uh, World Cup semifinals going to be here, but Atlanta's uniquely equipped to handle these large events. We have the infrastructure. We have the Congress Center. We have all the hotel space. Dude, I'm so excited. I mean, uh, the Olympics, not that big of a undertaking for Atlanta compared to other places. We had a lot of the venues already built. You know, they already used existing venues. Sanford Stadium, uh, Georgia, all the things. Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium. Built Turner Field, of course, which was in the Olympic Stadium. It still boggles my mind. That Atlanta hosted the Olympics 18, oh, no, what, 20, how long ago? It was 18 it? 20, years ago. 28 years ago? No, 10, 28 years ago. Yeah, Lord. I know. I thought the same thing when I just said that. I was like, oh my God. Almost 30 years ago. And it still boggles your mind, though. Sometimes I still drive around this town and I'm like, man, I cannot believe that Atlanta hosts the Olympics. I, it, uh, and I worked point. for NBC during the Olympics. So Crazy. I, was, I helped, basically, we had to build TV studios at every venue. So I was working round the clock, eight days a week, but I had a blast. I had the. My my uh my Olympic credential had the infinity pass means I could go anywhere anytime I wanted to which is really cool. No, that is cool. It it I did not realize as a kid how big of a deal it was because I was thirteen during the Olympics. I just didn't realize how big of a deal it is. And I think we we gloss over it when we talk about what this city has done. And and a lot of people say, well, Atlanta's a new city. Well, it kind of is a young city, and that that took Atlanta from. From uh, what Charlotte is now to what Atlanta is today. Yeah, I just I'm so excited for what it'll bring, what the atmosphere will bring, what uh, you know, how many eyes will be on the sound. We talked about it earlier. I mean, for the for the World Cup final last time, it was like 500 million people watching that semifinal will be different, and you'll get you know get eyeballs at each stage. But this, this to, to Rob's point, this city is uniquely qualified uh, to kind of pull this off. I think it's exciting. Well, apparently, Darren Eels of Atlanta United, he's going to go on a bender during the World Cup. But we've got busy, you know, busiest airport. You can get on the Marta. We've got the hospitality. Our footprint's going to be down here. And I don't want to talk about specifically other cities, but in a lot of other cities, the stadium's nowhere near the town centre. So that feel, that party carnival atmosphere that you get around a World Cup, I mean, I'm excited for the big games, but I think Atlanta's going to be, I'm biased, I know, the best venue for experiencing the whole World Cup because FanFest, even when we're not hosting a game, you know, we've got all of the possibilities of all of those fans coming into Atlanta around the state of Georgia, and it's walkable, and you create that sort of party atmosphere. So I think, you know, I think we're well set, and I would be disappointed if we don't get one of those big games. I, I just, I'm so excited about it, and, and for, for everybody that doesn't understand this right now, and we'll talk to Jason Longshore at 840 and get some more details on this, but it seems like with there being so many host cities and it being all throughout North America, and the group, you know, and the group stage, they're going to be kind of regional. So the United States has already kind of come out that they will be kind of based around Los Angeles. And Seattle. In that group stage. Yeah, right. So you won't get in the group stage the United States men's national team, but what you do have in Atlanta by then is the fact that the team will be training here. I mean, that facility is being moved to Atlanta currently, and you will have that team training here. So it'll be interesting to see and ask Jason, you know, what teams that he believes will be part of that group stage here, and, you know, what are the odds you see in the U.S. men's national team at some point if they, uh, you know, if they get stronger and can kind of make a run throughout this thing. Now, 
It would be shocking to see them in the semifinal, but you do at each stage throughout the World Cup have the opportunity that they might play here. And, and obviously, Atlanta is a, a multicultural uh, you know, kind of city, so it's, it's an easy place to get in and out of because the airport. So I think it's going to be uh, great no matter what, no matter who the countries are here, and uh, you know, see all that kind of come to fruition. But for another big game, let's talk about that 2009 Senior Bowl. It's time to rant. Excuse me? It's time to rage. It's time for Mic'd Up. On the morning shift. Actually, I guess it would be 2010. Yeah, it would have actually been February or end of January 2010. Guys, the Senior Bowl is obviously televised, practice televised. One of the hardest things that I have ever been a part of. You show up on Sunday... You immediately are greeted with two tests. One of them is, what do they call that? The the, the, the Wonderlick, mm-hmm. uh, Wonderlick-esque. And then the New York Giants at the time, I can't remember who their GM was, they had their own test. It was like a, th- I mean, like a three-hour exam. Wow. Right? I mean, the first thing you do, you haven't even dropped your bags in your room. Your rooms aren't even ready yet. You're t- sitting down taking tests for three or four hours, kind of getting through those is the last thing you want to do. Uh, then you are well, that sounds with, intentional. They want to they want to test and see how you can pivot and uh, concentrate when you have to, in spite of all the chaos. Around. You get your schedule handed to you, the printout, whatever it is, bracelets, uh, you know, lanyards, all the gear from Under Armour at the time was you know the, the main sponsor of the Senior Bowl. I mean, un- more Under Armour stuff than you can even fit in in three duffel bags. It's crazy at the time. Hey, we'll, we'll have a team meeting tonight at uh, you know at at six thirty. We'll get dinner afterwards. Get you in bed earlier. Tomorrow's gonna be a long day. Immediately, you get a text, phone call, whatever it is. Hey, you got a drug test, 6 a.m., drug test, 6 a.m. Oh, God. Well, why do we? Why is it so early in the morning? Oh, because you're probably going to practice by, you know, 10 o'clock. You got meetings, install meetings. You're going to practice 10 to 12. You get back, get lunch, get treatment, whatever it is. You're going to go back into meetings, watch the film from practice. Oh, and then your phone is now lighting up from scouts, GMs, coaches, saying, hey, we'd like to meet with you down in the lobby. Hey, are you around? Need to grab you in the lobby. Need to I, grab you in the lobby. I think the biggest question is, how did you secure clean urine? <laughs> I, I, had, I had a guy. You had a guy. <laughs> I had a guy. No, I had a guy. No, I, it, just, it, it was crazy. And every time, it, you would almost avoid the lobby uh, because every time you walk through there, so, hey, can I grab you for a second? Can I grab you for a second? And there, listen, everything has your, your name, number, position, whatever, that Under Armour was giving you, and everybody would be able to grab you. And, of course, I'm there. It's in Alabama, and I, we just left Alabama. So, also went to, I guess, would it be a Tide Pride, a Red Elephant Club meeting later that night uh, on, on one, you know, Tuesday night. You have a fan fest one of the days. Tim Tebow was in that game with us. When I tell you his line was a mile long, and he ended up having – I think he had to actually cancel because he got kind of sick and under the weather during the week. He didn't end up uh, being able to make it. The amount of fanfare that Tim Tebow was getting at this Senior Bowl was – insane it, this is not like one of those stadiums lad, lad peoples at the time down in mobile it's not one of those stadiums where the buses pull into a tunnel and you never see the players and it's right a, no it's like it's like tim tebow playing at a high school stadium through the entire week and he's walking out to the bus there was multiple days where people would hold their kids up to his bus window like it was like a simba kind of thing going on wow. and they're kind of waving at him and he's just like hey how's it going he, I don't know if he had this rule in place before then or after then, whatever it is, but he would not sign anything other than just kids' autographs. Wouldn't sign any adult autographs because eBay is a big thing. You know, he's not able to do whatever he wants to do, and he's getting hassled. Our other quarterback, Zach Robinson, who ended up being probably our best player that week uh, as far as the senior bowl goes, he threw for over 100 yards, 
uh, and had a, ended up having a pretty good game. He was out of Oklahoma State at the time. So he was a good player, fun to watch. But when I tell you that first practice, you go in, right? You do whatever shorts, you kind of install. The first full padded practice, when I tell you it was a war, it was a bloodbath. It was it was best man will survive. Yeah. We're going to go one-on-one run blocking, one-on-one pass rush, one-on-one tackling drills, and it is going to be absolute carnage. It was carnage for five days down there of people just saying, you know what? I'm better than you. I'm about to run you over. And that's how every single practice. How, how, time- how surreal Sorry, how surreal was it actually playing in the game? How intense was the game? I know I know there is some intensity, but, but it's got to feel weird lining up next to guys that you barely know. It was really cool for me personally because I'm from Pensacola. So I went to the Senior Bowl growing up, and it yeah. was always a big event down there in the Mobile area. That was cool. Had a number of different high school people that were in the crowd. There was some signs. You get introduced as being from Pensacola and getting to run out and do all that crazy stuff. That was very surreal. And, and, I, and honestly, at the time, it's kind of crazy thinking back on. The first play, I get down in my stance, and Tim Tebow's under center, and he's you know giving the cadence. And the, the whole talk of that week was, as most of y'all remember, can Tim Tebow play from under center? So the first snap, he's under center, and he's kind of giving the cadence. I thought, this is kind of surreal. Like, I just was playing this guy two months ago in the SC Championship game, and here he is. Were you at guard or tackle? I was at guard at that point, and I was playing left guard. I played next to... Uh, uh, Saron Black from LSU, and who was our center? Oh, J.D. Walton from Baylor, I think, was the center. Had a good week. Ended up getting drafted by the Broncos in the second round. How, um, just how beat up and exhausted were you, though, by the time you that kickoff on that Saturday? After after that week of practice, the last thing any of us wanted to do was play in that game. The last thing. And I can, remember, I can remember lining up very distinctly. We're under center the first play. Across from us is Brandon Graham. From Michigan, who is still playing and still really loud, and behind him at linebacker was Sean Weatherspoon. I had not had a taste of Sean Weatherspoon at that point, but you want to talk about the most talkative, the loudest two defensive players that you can ever imagine. <laughs> and Sean Weatherspoon comes on the field and he's going, Timmy, Timmy, and I'm like, man, this is going to be a long day, but uh, it was, man. It's it's, it's a cool week, but whoo. It ain't no vacation down there in Mobile. It is the most exhausting six, seven days that you will ever go through as a football player. No doubt. So I brought you by Zero Res Smart Lasting Clean. Who deserves a wake-up call? 404-726-0929. We will take your calls next. Jason Longshore going to join us at, uh, what, 840? Talk more about the uh, World Cup and uh, semifinals coming here. Atlanta finals will be up there in the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium. All that and more over the next hour leading you up to the Steakhouse, 9 o'clock. And again, 2 o'clock this afternoon, live. Raheem Morris's introductory press conference, and he and Terry Fontenot will sit down with uh, Dukes and Bell. We will carry all that for you today because we are the home of the Atlanta Falcons Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Good morning. Yeah! Back to more of the morning shift. With Tiffany, Mike, and Bo on Sports Radio, 929 The Game. This hour brought to you by Mark Spain Real Estate. Go to MarkSpain.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today and start packing. And feel free to start calling 404-726-0929 for the uh, wake-up call. This is Tribble in for uh, Tiffany all week long. We got Squid and we got Mike. And well, now we have young, fresh-faced Garrett Chapman back there along with um, Dylon. Oh, Babyface. Babyface. Babyface GC. Yeah. Man, what a beautiful day Saturday was, man. I, I got <sighs> to hang out with Mike Bell on the belt line. We uh, got into some shenanigans, me and, me and a couple of buddies. And, uh, I saw a picture of that, man. I'm curious. What were y'all drinking? Oh, those are like frozen Jack Daniels. 
I was Great. looking at the picture going, what is that, dude? It was, I probably didn't need that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got... I got a little. I got a little into it on Saturday, man. I put yeah. in that work, and I I got real talkative. Tried to find the bottom of the yeah. bottle. Oh I, boy! I, but I caught myself, and I was self-aware enough to not to uh, talk as much. But yeah, yesterday so yesterday was just so miserable compared to us uh, Saturday. I was just a big pile of goo yesterday. Yeah, it's a a rough rough set of weather. I know it's been like that all over the southeast yesterday, as well as today. Uh, I know. By the way, California biblical some, rains some in California. Craziness. Anybody paid attention to the the NASCAR stuff that was going out there? Never happened before. They moved the race up by a day out mm. in uh, California. Never happened before. They it's were like, like they you go, know what? Not going to get it in. It's like they go three years without rain out in California, then then they get it all back in one fatal hey, swoop over seriously. a two yes. three day period. Yeah, they're not prepared for rain. We're not <laughs> prepared for ice. Yeah. <laughs> I, nobody says, "Oh, see, see, it's Californians. They're not prepared for rain. It's awful." Uh, I saw some of the footage. The, the heavens like the mudslides too with it. It's just man. So curious about these wake-up calls. I, I think as we move throughout the week, as far as wake-up calls go, we're going to start getting stuff about DeJounte Murray and what they need to do with the Hawks. What's the future for the Hawks? Is there a future with DeJounte Murray in the fold with the Hawks? Can they win with the duo of Trey and DeJounte? And how soon is that going to happen? How long is the leash on the, on the trio of DeJounte, Trey, and Quinn Snyder? Because it, it just can look so good at times, and it can look so, so bad at other times. And – Really, uh, Saturday coming off a complete, uh, complete team win. Saturday night, DeJounte with some clutch shots. Trey actually, uh, you know, I think his defense is an all-time high right now. I think he's playing hard. DeJounte. Oh, he's learned the art of getting a little bit more hands to be disruptive with so his too. hands. As, as, much, as crazy as it is to say with Steph getting 60 on Saturday night, especially coming off the game where Luka had, what, 70-something 73. Yeah, I was there that night. That was something to see. <laughs> it's so funny that 60 would have been – the highest total in the history of State Farm, mm-hmm. but a week earlier it was set with seventy three, and so it, it, it was just... so funny. I had really good seats too. I went with this uh, friend of mine. She uh, she has some connections, and uh, just watching Luke isn't necessarily so explosive or all this quick, but he's very deliberate. He's like Joker, kind of very deliberate, but he's so big bodied. There's nothing you can do to stop him. Right, right. So this is deliberate no, way. Well, of just don't tell him to hit the treadmill. Yeah, uh, that'll get you. That'll get you uh, yeah. asked to leave. Well, you, you got you, you fat shame Luca. What does he do next time out? Seventy three. Don't fat shame Luca. Burger on you. Uh, yeah, just I, it's going to be interesting to see us as we move towards that Thursday uh, Thursday trade deadline of what the game plan is because it seems like it was so easy a week plus ago, and you have the game tonight against the Clippers, and so going I, for I five, man. I and, and if you can get it done against Clippers. Speaking of which, then you're really cooking with something. That, that doesn't just mean five in a row. That means that you are playing some really good basketball. And um, it's I mean, just it's going to be fun to watch it kind of come together throughout this week. And you beat the Lakers, and they turned around and went without their best two players and beat what was one of the top teams in the East in Boston. And now the Lakers have won two in a row. And now they're back to 26 and 25 last well, That was the Austin Reeves game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. That, and, and, hey, that's the guy that was mentioned that the Hawks wanted if they gave up on DJ. Yeah. So, I mean, he was making shots from the urinal. <laughs> it, it, it was nuts. Well, I hope he was still accurate at the urinal, too. <laughs> little turnaround hook shot as you still face the mint. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it, it, like I said, it, we're going to learn a lot about the future of this franchise here in the next couple of days. And if you're going to make a move, I wonder if you get all the way to Thursday. It seems like they've been holding out for what seems like a year now, uh, you know, of of when are they going to make a move, when are they not. And it obviously worked uh, keeping Jalen Johnson in the fold and get rid of John Collins. Jalen's been a good part, but, you know, you're not any better as a team than you were before that, so we'll see what happens. All right, let's go to uh, Ken in Snellville. Ken, what's your uh, wake-up call? 
Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up, buddy? Uh, I wanted to say about the Hawks uh, for a long time. Uh, I haven't called in um, in the morning to another catch you guys, but I wanted to say uh, be careful, Hawks fans, with the narratives that get painted. Like, it's common sense when you think about it. A basketball team is only good as how many good players you have. The, the trade for DeJounte, as much as people hate about it, it was the trade to make. You had to get better players. We got too many inconsistent players. Your basketball team is only going to be as good as how many good players you get. We went out and got a good player like we need to, and most other teams do. Problem is, there's so many inconsistent players, and then you got bigs that can't stretch the floor and clog the paint to open everything up. So you end up with the, the problems that we have. Um, and so that's why it's, DJ's not the problem. Well, but, uh, call, yeah. I don't think it. I don't think anybody really ever said DJ is the problem. There's the problem been some revisionist about, history about that trade. Well, about bringing him over. You know why? Because you get you, you got you gave up way too much. That's why. That's why it almost got hung up before it ever happened here. But it, it, you gave up way too much for Dejounte. It has nothing to do with Dejounte. It's not that Dejounte's a bad player. Uh, there are times where he and Trey doesn't, don't seem to coexist on the floor like they they are they are supposed to. That because tr- now here you are and you're no better and you don't know if DJ wants out or not. I mean, we know that there was stuff put out there about him being unhappy and then. The hamstring pops, now he's back and he's playing phenomenally. The thing about it, though, is you always come back. Is you were, If you had to trade him, you were never going to get back what you gave up. It was a bad trade from what you gave up alone. That's like Justin Fields could come here and be great, but if you give up the eighth overall pick, which is right. way more than he's worth in trade value, it's going to be looked at as a bad pick yeah, or a bad trade. You. I agree with you. All right, let's go to uh, who we got. We got Drew and Marietta. Good morning, Drew. Good morning, guys. What's up, buddy? Happy Monday. All right, so I've actually got two wake-up calls. One is going to be for DeAndre Hunter. Wake up, man. You're the fourth overall pick. I know you haven't been healthy this year, but wake up. We need 20 every night from you, not just once every blue moon. (laughs) All right. All right, what else? A lot of people agree. Is that it? He said he had two. I guess we got him cut off a little bit early. Garrett said he wasn't hearing it. Uh, he didn't. He didn't want all that. that. I, I think that's the key to this whole thing. When you look at where this franchise might have misstepped, doesn't it seem like they need more from him? Like that's that's uh, absolutely. Doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's, it just, it's that, been monumentally frustrating. Well, I think I think it's frustrating for me because you look at it and say, well, what are you supposed to get? What could you have had? And you look at it, if he played like a number four pick, if he and played you like Jalen Johnson. It'd just be insane. It would be insane. But it just it doesn't hadn't been there. And I don't I don't know what the end game is for that. But he doesn't seem like a guy that's. Going anywhere anytime soon. I think Jalen uh, Johnson is emerging. What we thought, he's been he's been insane. He's been yeah. insane. Both both the big guys. Speaking uh, of which, I, on Saturday you had you had times where you had Double O and Clint Capella on the floor with Jalen. You want to talk about a massive massive group of people on the court at the same time? That's that's good stuff. Let's go to Reggie in Fayetteville. Reggie, what you got? Good morning, everybody, and triple hashtag to Squid Nation. Oh that's right, gosh. Reggie. First Let's go. All, okay. Uh, first of all. Uh, talk about what the Hawks actually need. The Hawks actually need a 6'10 hunter. They do not have any support for Capella. They got two great guards. Okay, and the other thing is, what about the GM? His responsibility for getting that team together. Has anybody ever talked about the GM and his progress? 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Ad nauseum, Reggie. We appreciate you call. Yeah, that, that really, especially last year, too. We we're trying to figure out who, who exactly wields the power I in that field. I was going to say, we had Landry Fields uh, on every, every Tuesday here, yeah. uh, you know, throughout the spring and throughout the summer. And that was always an underlying question. Of course, you're not going to confront him with that. But it's just who, who is wielding the power? Who is doing the roster construction? Especially now that you've had the coaching turnover that you've had. So, Yeah, and – <laughs> I don't want to have to have that. That's the thing. Squid's <laughs> over here rolling his eyes. I'm He's so, like, eh, this is just not You know good. why? Because because we. I said this going into the season. I said, where did we get better? We didn't get better anywhere. Uh, it it does. Jalen, I guess you can say we Jaylen's did. Jalen's been better than John well, Collins. Yes, but he's also, him and, him and Trey are playing together better. That's why it, it, it is a better product on from those that standpoint. But the thing is, is we didn't go out and make any moves in the offseason to make the team better. You, Jalen Johnson was already in-house. He was just being developed. Just like, was it Buffkin? I don't think you'll see him this year. I don't either. But, but, but I, I was texting with Mike yesterday, and I said, this team's future is tied to what guys like that can do because right now there's been no signs of this team being willing to go into go and spend in free agency that puts them deep in that luxury tax. Would it be safe to say that a lot of what happens at the deadline on Thursday might hinge on how the team looks tonight? Is that fair to say? And, and I think that's crazy, but if you win five in a row and you've beat the Clippers and you've won all these games at home, I think it makes you think twice about shipping DeJounte off for a price tag that's not going to net you what you sent. Yeah, but you got to be careful. Though. I mean, does that mean that uh, you've, you've addressed some issues, now you're evolving? Uh, maybe maybe guys are starting to get it under Quinn Snyder. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't want to oversell, but you can't ignore it either. Let's right. see. How many games are they in? They're, what, they're 23 and 27 right now? Yeah. Uh, so that's, what, 50, is that 50 games? That's 60. No, it's, it's 50. 50. Yeah. And then they had he had 20-something last year. So it took almost a full NBA season for you to – Get his system. I think that's fair. Okay. I think that'd be fair. Right. If they get, listen, with thirty games to play, if they if they start picking up his system, it's not like listen. This is a playoff team right now. As crazy as the NBA playoffs is, they're in the playoffs right now. So hitting their stride at the right time and, and making a run. Well, at they're it, in the play in. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Right, we've been three years in a row. A play in, not a playoff. That's what we're, that's what we got to call it. Yeah, because play you got to win two games to get there. <laughs> I mean, and I think they'd both be. Uh, one would definitely be a road game, so it's just uh. it's just sad. This is such a nondescript, wallowing in sub-mediocrity I'm, listen, franchise. I'm going to put good vibes out about tonight. Feel it's good just frustrating. Putting good vibes out about tonight. It's frustrating to be here again in this situation because where you were in 21 and you thought you had a young core that could get it done. Well, we'll see what happens as we uh, go forward. All right, Squid Nation, I guess, coming up next, we have Jason Longshore at uh, 840. Yeah, we'll hit a little life of Squid. We'll also go through some of the Senior Bowl superlatives. Mm. All next on the morning shift. Sports Radio 99 the game and the Odyssey app. This hour brought to you by Mark Spain Real Estate. Go to MarkSpain.com. Get a guaranteed offer on your home today and start packing. Well, both teams have converged on uh, Las Vegas. We get ready for uh, the big game on uh, Sunday. Hey, what's your favorite part about Super Bowl week? Like, what's your favorite thing? Uh, the game. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was the the Vogue party when I was in Atlanta. Man, that was. Well, I don't oof. get invited to those things. I'm always on the outside looking. I'm, I'm I'm always behind the velvet rope for some reason. I went to one Super Bowl party, one, and that yeah. was in Dallas in 2010. And we had, I thought Wait, I got it. Was a, a snowstorm that week. Yeah, it was ice storm, and they had a taxi strike, so you could barely get a cab. And that was there was no Uber then. 
I drove over for one day over to Dallas. I was in Shreveport, uh, and I drove over to Dallas. I was just going to be over and back for the day. Ended up having to stay in Tyler, Texas that night in like a Holiday Inn Express because the roads were iced over. Crazy. <laughs> well, the media days become kind of a cartoonish thing now. Well, I don't like it on Mondays either. Yeah. It used to be Tuesday. Now it's like opening night, and it's just kind of a circus. But no, we we went to one. We went to the Super Bowl party that week. I thought I had us passes to get in, and it was just passes for the red carpet, just to stand there and watch people walk in. And I was like, "This is." <laughs> and I, my buddy lives in Dallas. I invited him, and I worked at the old station. And I was like, "This is the lamest thing ever." So um, we snuck in through the through the back. <laughs> What don't you like about media day? It's, it's guys, you know, guys asking Tom Brady what they're going to eat for a celebratory meal. <laughs> yeah, just the dumb questions and people, amateur comedians trying to be funny and, and maybe a, catch a viral moment. It's just, uh, it's just dumb. I was and talking pointless. about steak. You know, steak asked Tom Brady what he what he's going to eat for a celebratory meal that night uh, if they they were to win. Tom's like, well, I don't know. It'd be like eleven o'clock at that point. I don't, I don't really know. Can't have carbs. Yeah, yeah, it's too late. Cheap meals. <laughs> uh, that was an interesting line of questioning. There's, there's always. I think it's I think it's kind of cool. It pulls the, the curtain back a little bit, but I think those guys, for the most part, their answers suck because they're so locked in. It's like the biggest yeah. week of their lives, the biggest football game of their lives. They're so locked in. They're like, I don't want to do this. It would be it'd be so much more fun. It wouldn't work, but if you could do it after the game, it would be so much more fun. You'd be like, yeah. I never thought that I'd ever root for the 49ers because I grew up hating the 49ers because they abused my Falcons. I mean, every year NFL films will do a retrospective on yet another 49ers Super Bowl victory, and what do you see? You see the Falcons just getting demolished. You see what Charles Demery getting abused by Jerry Rice. It's just, uh, but now I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I, I like I like the personalities on the team. I'm I'm rooting for uh, Brock Purdy because of uh, seemingly all the um, unfair criticism going his way, and I'm kind of just sick of the Chiefs. Well, it's not about the Chiefs as much as it is the 49ers. To your point, like I really like Brock Purdy. I I don't have this hatred for Kyle Shanahan. If you're hating Kyle Shanahan, you're a Falcons fan. Oh, I've got a I've got a friend that has a visceral hatred for him. I I, I get it, um, but I'm gonna pull for Dan Quinn to do well in Washington unless he's playing the Falcons, and I I don't necessarily pull for Kyle Shanahan, um, but I do like Brock Purdy. I like Christian McCaffrey. I I was showing Mike. I've got a friend of mine. She she does like she does some she'll do some print for like t-shirts and stuff, and I've got a little Super Bowl shirt. I'm not gonna quite give it away yet, but. It's not that I'm pulling for San Francisco, but it has something to do with that because, I mean, you know, there's another famous girlfriend that in this Super Bowl that we might get the chance to see a lot of, and it's Christian McCaffrey. It's actually his fiance, Olivia Culpo, I think is how you pronounce it. Well, the it. fullback's wife got an NFL licensing deal because she could line yeah. that you code should. for yeah. uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah, and I think she made stuff for uh, for McCaffrey's girl. Uh, is it Culpo, I guess? Yeah, that's Culpo. Um, as she well. Used to, she used to date somebody else from the NFL, too. I can't remember who it was. Uh, didn't she date Tebow? I thought it was like Amendola or something. She did date Amendola, I know. Oh, okay. She did yeah. date Amendola. Yeah. Um, so she's not she's not hard to look at. Let's put it that she's way. She's better to look at yeah. than the other better, one. Better oh no, I, I ain't gonna say that. I'd, I, I just I'm it, just saying, I find her more attractive than, than, well, than sure, Taylor sure, Swift. Sure, sure. I mean she's a model. A, that's yeah. not a knock a on Taylor Swift. She's there's nothing wrong with her. Yeah, be careful, they'll come after you like like yeah, the Bayhive does. The shifties. Don't 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 turn the shifties into Swifties. That radical cult. Yes, don't well. Don't turn the Swifties onto the shift. <laughs> you know, can you just imagine the Shifties and the Swifties fighting? <laughs> hey, you know what? We got the nation, so I don't know if they want to come for us. Probably not. Well, let's hit the life of squid, shall we? That's right. Had some W sauce last night. Went to my buddy Sut's house. We had steak Sunday, Rob. 
Had some big old uh, big old ribeyes. Man. Wait, you put you put. Uh, I love the W sauce. You know, you turned me on to it, but you put that on steak. Steak well, is supposed to be. Hey, turn you on? Oh, turn you on. Okay, to so the W sauce. Well, you you. Oh, I love the W. You use it as a, sure. a binder. For you, if you want to put a little rub on, a little 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 uh, marinade on there. Yeah, hell yeah. That's okay. All right. And uh, if you want, you can dip your steak in the fireshire. Gives a little extra flavor. We actually did the W sauce asparagus last night. We cooked the asparagus in the W sauce, and it was came out good. Oh yeah, maintained some crunch good. on the asparagus too. Didn't get Great. all gummy and limp. No, it wasn't too limp. Um, Not the bathroom smell after. <laughs> what are you trying to? The, the asparagus, man. I get you. Oh, dude, I forgot I ate asparagus last <laughs> night, and I was, I was, I was, and I went. To, you know, you wake up, and I go. Man, oh yeah, stout. I did eat asparagus last night. Am I dehydrated? <laughs> what is this? Uh. Look, we started spring cleaning. Is it too early to start spring cleaning? Nope. Nope, if you feel a need to. I don't get to do anything, anything uh, in the house, really, during the football season yeah. because I'm, I'm working six days a week when I'm not traveling, which is essentially seven days a week of working. So it just, goes, it, goes, it just gets out of hand. Wife cleaning up the closet. Dude, a lot of clothes going to Goodwill. A lot. Like, she's... Putting more clothes in Goodwill than I think I have. Um, but we went, we stopped for a minute because uh, uh, her nephew's in seventh grade. He was playing in a playing in a tournament or playoffs, I guess, start. And they played right down the road from us. So we went up there to watch the game. And I kid you not, I got a double overtime seventh grade boys basketball game with a buzzer beater at the end. Well, that's kind of cool. They blow like a 10-point lead. What was like the final score? Shot? Was no. the final score like 40 to 37? No, no. This game was double overtime. It was like, uh, I think it might have been like 60 to 58 oh, okay. or 59 or something like that. But uh, so her nephew's the, he's, they, they don't, I mean, they don't, I don't really like, I don't think they have a, he brings the ball up more than anybody else. But he brings it up with, uh, they inbound it with seven seconds left because they had a, time, had a timeout. And, he dribbles in and then kind of comes back out and then goes like he's going to make it and boom, shoots it to the corner. And kid, this kid drains it with no time on the clock. Seventh grader. And I mean, yeah, they like, and I, I was, I was at. Did he fall down dramatically after making the Greatest shot? day of his well, life. Well, he, he got like. He'll never forget. He got tackled. I mean, they, 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 their whole team just stormed over. And I was like, this is the first round. I like he been here. <laughs> I was kidding. It was, <laughs> it was, it was great. There was a lot of, in the, I just, I realized something though. Because my wife got into the game at the end, and she was like, you know, doing what all the other parents. And I was like, I got, hey, sit down. Like, sit down. I realized, I told her yesterday, I said, um, we need to talk about something. She, yeah, I said, if we have a kid, if and when, we're not sitting together at the games. Mm. And she goes, what do you mean? I said. Oh, she's one of those. I said, I can't do it. I can't do the. Well, she gets into it. And, and, uh, and I said, I just can't. I like to sit there, and I don't like to talk. I don't want to be talked to. Is she embarrassing? She's loud no, cheering. No, no, it's not embarrassing. No, no, it's not <laughs> embarrassing at all. It's like the cheering gets so loud that it just through my ears. And, and and you know, if all the parents are sitting in one spot, then there is people that like to talk. And there was some guy, like, a section over, and he's literally just going in on the ref. And I was like, hey, man. Like, that, seventh grader. Guy's getting paid $15 a yeah. referee. Yeah, I know I, I, 
can't stand parents like that. Uh, have a little self-awareness. You, I wanted, but everybody, for, I'll say for a whole, it was nowhere near as bad as what you see on social and, you yeah. know, what, what stuff goes wild. It, it wasn't that bad at all. It was it was good, hard, and fun. Like a, a parent from the other team turned around at the end of the game. He looked at me and said, man, it's a great shot. I was like, wasn't it? It was a pretty good game. So it was fun to watch. I haven't been to one of those games in a while. All right, it, we're going to have a semifinal game for our World Cup 2026. The finals are going to be up there at MetLife Stadium. So what's that going to entail for Atlanta? Well, we're going to have the color analyst for Atlanta United, Jason Longshore, going to join us next on the Morning Shift Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Don't touch that dial. This is the Morning Shift. All of them are really, really hot on Sports Radio, 929 The Game. Welcome back to the morning shift. Triple in for Tiffany all week. Let's quickly go out and speak to our color analyst for Atlanta United broadcast and the birthday boy himself, Jason Longshore. Oh, happy birthday. Our 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 baby's all grown up. <laughs> What's up, guys? Thank you. What what number birthday is this? Do we have to talk about yeah. that? It's, it's a it's, lot. He's twenty one. Yeah. He can drink today. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Oh, by the way, guys, seven Too years many. ago today, February 5th, 2017, what happened? Was, I don't know. That was a Super Bowl. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was a damn Super Bowl. Why would you bring that up right now? I just, it just came across seven years ago today. Oh, well. All right, Jason, we have a, a semifinal of the World Cup. Why couldn't we get the final, though? <laughs> Not quite big enough with the stadium. It had to be 80,000 ah, okay. to get to the final. So, a lot of people thought Dallas was going to get it. That was all of the, the media going into the week, and they got the other semifinal. L.A. didn't get a semifinal or the final. They ended up getting the U.S. men's national team with their opener and another U.S. match. But outside of Dallas getting nine games, Atlanta was the big winner in the announcement yesterday with eight games, with three knockout games, a semifinal, you get a last game of the group stage, which is almost like a knockout game. I mean, it is a huge statement about how big of a sports city Atlanta is beyond the soccer side. I mean, Atlanta is one of the, the greatest soccer cities in this region, let alone in the country. But Atlanta is one of the greatest sports cities in the world, and this just validates it. Jason, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, too, because I was going to bring that up. I mean, you look 10 years ago at what Atlanta was as far as soccer goes and, and how rapid the ascent has been with the United and all the records they've they've had here, the U.S. men's national team, and now this news of the World Cup semifinal. What does Atlanta have that, that kind of uniquely positions it uh, you know, to be that big of a deal on a national stage? I think what's changed more than anything is the venue. And, and when you look back at previous you know, big soccer events in this country, you didn't have a place to play. And going back to the beginning of Major League Soccer, you didn't have a stadium at that point. Uh, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium was going down. The Olympic Stadium was being turned into Turner Field. You didn't have another place that they could play. And that's been the issue over the years. But when Arthur Blank made the commitment with Mercedes-Benz Stadium to make it soccer ready and to position soccer right next to everything else, and I think that's the biggest change that – we've had in the city compared to previous teams and then look at other cities where, you know, you had multiple sports ownership and the owner maybe didn't take the soccer as seriously or position it as importantly. I'll always remember a preseason Falcons game when Arthur was in the booth 
And it, it shocked a lot of people that he had an Atlanta United lapel pin on. You look back at all the branding during that time when the stadium was going up, it was Falcons and Atlanta United right next to each other. So by him saying, this is a big deal, this is as important as anything else I'm doing, I think the rest of the city took it on as well. And now, I mean, I think we finally caught up as well to having the Olympics in 96. You know, this is going to be 30 years after the Olympics when the World Cup's here. It took a while for, I think, the the aura of being an Olympic city to really spread worldwide. And now when you think of American cities and you're in other parts of the world, Atlanta comes to mind where maybe it didn't in the past. What do you think tickets are going to cost for this thing? Mm. A lot. Can you buy them? I was going to say, I don't know. What's, what's getting the door price? <laughs> 500 bucks minimum? Yeah, it seems like it. Oh, it might be more than that. I'm Eek. not sure, honestly. And and by the time you get to 26, there is no telling. Um, from what I've read, the ticket process, basically there is a list you want to get on right now. If you go to the, the FIFA World Cup sites, you can get on the list. They'll keep you notified on when tickets will go on sale. They're saying in 2025, but really nothing beyond that. Well, one of the things I thought you said yesterday on Twitter was this is like having eight Super Bowls over a month's time. And how big it's going to be, but we know when you hear the Olympics, you know it's huge. I think when you hear the World Cup, you don't really fathom the fact of how many people from so many different countries could be here in a month's time. What is it? What is the what is the city going to look like during that month? It's going to be wild because it's you know I'm, in terms of just attendance numbers, really out of the Olympics, you're probably comparing it to the the track events when they ran those over about eight or nine days straight. But the Olympics, you get a lot of people who travel for that. The World Cup's on another level. TV viewing. More people watch the World Cup than they watch the Olympics. More people watch the World Cup than the Olympics and probably eight or nine other major sporting events combined. It is the more countries enter the World Cup than the Olympics. I mean, it's that's how big this thing is. And if you get the opportunity to have some of these fan bases, like if Argentina plays here, and we're going to get a taste of that this summer with Copa America, um, if England plays here, if Germany plays here, if Ghana plays here, you know, if Japan plays here, um, Brazil, I mean, we can keep going. Like, you're going to get fans coming into Atlanta, staying here for a few days, going to the, follow their next team in their next game, and you're going to get that cycle happening eight times over a month's time. So it's crazy. I mean, it's it's going to be packed. Every possible person that can get in that building will. And everything around it, too. And I think that's the other aspect of it is you're probably going to have big public viewing parties for games in other cities as well. All of the auxiliary events around having this, it will be – massive and and i think people who are are kind of saying like ah well you know it's just eight games in a tournament it's not like the super bowl these are the biggest games in the world in this sport which is the biggest sport in the world that happens every four years these are all huge games and that semifinal is going to be on a whole nother level jason i want to talk real quick uh it seems like they are, are trying to do this with a regional aspect with the u.s men's national team kind of be based on the west coast at least in group play and obviously new york gets the uh, the final What's the best case scenario for Atlanta people just kind of on the outside looking in as far as teams that might be able to come here and kind of matchups you'd love to see inside of some of the group play? 
Yeah, it's fascinating because it's so early, and this tournament as well, this is going to be a really different setup than we've ever seen. It's the biggest World Cup ever with 48 teams. So you're going to have more countries in this country and and in Mexico and Canada playing in this tournament. So the matchups really could get interesting. You could have two European teams in the group, and, I mean, depending on where they fall and how they get seeded, you could have a, a matchup like in England, Italy, in, in a group stage, which would be in, insane. You got that round of 32 and round of 16 as well. There's so many fan bases that travel and would be great to have here. Um, Brazil is always one that, that everybody in every World Cup wants to go see and, and wants that game in their city. That's one that still has so much just power. The major European nations, I mean, France, Italy, Germany, England, so Spain, Spain would be the other one. Argentina, obviously, and with Atlanta United's connections with Argentina. But don't discount a, a team like Japan as well. Japan is one that, one, I just love the way that they play. And, and they're, that team has really jumped over the last decade, maybe decade and a half in terms of talent and, and how much they could make a deep run by the time we get to 2026. And that's a incredibly passionate fan base, and they will follow that team and would be great to have here in the city if they can get into maybe we get their group stage games, a couple of them, or if they get into one of those knockout games here. All right, Jason, we got about probably 45 seconds left. Now, the U.S. men haven't really been – they've been kind of been nondescript on the World Cup stage. Best finish in 1930, third place. What's the state of the program now? This is an interesting time. This Copa America this summer is going to be a real big benchmark for the U.S. men's national team. Host countries have a big advantage in a World Cup. You just have that momentum. You get games at home. You get the fans going. I think you're looking last time in 94 when the team was nowhere near what they are now, they made it to the, the knockout round, and that was a huge accomplishment. I think you're looking at a quarterfinal. You know, Modern times, quarterfinal was the furthest that this team has ever gone. You're looking at quarterfinal being, I think, the minimum expectation for the U.S. in 2026. Uh, Jason, mm. what what club um, tonight is the, uh, the the birthday bash at where they, they've been rented out <laughs> and you'll have bottle service the and stuff? What, what club can all the – Stanley clad women everywhere. <laughs> all the fans of yours and, and uh, some of your friends like us as well uh, show up tonight. I'll have to let you know offline. You know, I, come on, we can't have this place getting overrun. Come on. Uh, get overrun. Happy birthday, brother. Thank you for your time, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, y'all. All right, there we go. Semifinal World Cup 2026 here. Finals, MetLife Stadium up in uh, New Jersey. Going to come back and uh, hand it over to uh, the Steakhouse. We've got Drew Butler and uh, Steak Shapiro ready, ready to man these very microphones. Again, 2 o'clock this afternoon, Raheem Morris. Introductory press conference, Terry Fontenot and Raheem Morris will also join Dukes and Bell. We're going to carry all of it right here. Sports Radio, 1990 game. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.